You know, increasingly, it's interesting. We are spanning the relationship between the CFO and the CMO. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Tuesday, which means this is our hashtag one big idea episode. In these episodes, you'll hear some of the best big ideas from incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to the Flip My Phone podcast. Today, I'm really excited to introduce an incredible speaker. I posted it on LinkedIn a few weeks ago saying, share with me the top four or five people that you want to hear from that have done some incredible work in marketing and sales and just to hold B2B space in general. And Mark Stoos, your name came up multiple times. So Mark is currently the CEO of Proof Analytics. But prior to this, he has been at BMC Software. He was a global vice president, Customer Connect and CCO. Uh, he was a CMO at Honeywell before in precedent and has just been a marketer through and through. What's interesting about, Mark, your career is that you kind of moved from being a marketing in, in a marketing role to a CEO role. So uh, we, we really, this podcast is about, let's talk about that transition. Let's talk about your journey. And, and a lot of the speakers, a lot of the people who are listening to the podcast, I think are kind of new in their careers or, or, or some of them are experienced as well. And, and a lot of times everybody has this question of like, am I in the right place? Am I doing the right things? And and a lot of people get to a position in their life uh, later on 10, 15 years, quite after going through that reflection point in their mind is like, oh, that's what I'm really good at, or that's what I was really made for. So I wonder if a lot of those things come together. So before we jump into more specific, Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, it's a pleasure to be with you, man. I've really been looking forward to this. Awesome, man. I know we had we, we took a long time to get things going. So share a little bit about your experience as a CMO before we jump into like get going from CMO to CEO. Sure. You know, I, I probably started out the way most people start out. You know, I was in an agency for a while. I actually started in politics as a PR person, a communicator that transitioned into on the brand side as well, although I did have a couple of stints as marketers, as a marketer, as opposed to a PR person during that period of time. And so I, I kind of just gradually followed the breadcrumbs, so to speak, in my development agency side, brand side. You know, I mean, everybody takes a little bit of a different twist on it, but that's kind of a that's a very common path. I think that for for me, what what really changed my path very significantly was the realization that the value that I believed that I was creating for the business was not fully appreciated by the business. And that and that perhaps I didn't fully understand the value that I was either creating or needed to be creating. And so, you know, about, I don't know, 15 to 20 years ago, that light bulb started to illumine itself inside of my brain. And I, you know, this was also about the time when I started doing a lot of very senior roles in very large enterprises. And so I was working very closely with the CEO, the CFO, the chairman, the, the board. You know, I had that kind, those kinds of relationships 
And, and I just really started to realize that I did not think like any of them. And that if I wanted to be significant, I think we all have this kind of quest for significance. And then I probably needed to acquire more of how they thought and, and maybe use that to balance the way I was approaching. Yeah. So, right. so I wonder, Mark, like, I think this is where it gets interesting because a lot of people are in that boat. Like I've, I've been talking to myself and the team here uh, at Terminus or like just new folks who kind of get, get into like, you know, five or six years or whatever the, the role they're playing. And at, at some point you start recognizing your strengths, right? That, oh, this is what I'm really good at. And, you know, Caitlin on my team, I would, you know, we, we talk about this quite a bit where she she's still in school and she's trying to figure out and then and, and moving in her career and, and works extremely hard. And a lot of times we talk about the fact that, hey, look, you know, you may be good at something today, but that's because you're kind of put in that role. But what you really are good at, you're going to just figure it out yourself because people are going to start inviting you to meetings where it has nothing to do with your role, but what you really are good at. And there's a way to kind of figure that part out. So I wonder, how did you, how did you figure out what you were good Good at. I think that would be really interesting. Well, so so actually, I, I'll answer that question. But one of the things that I have found in this regard to be very, very important is that, you know, one of the things that HR people typically say to you when you're doing your 360s and all that kind of stuff is, hey, this is really about helping you maximize what you're really great at. And you don't really need to worry too much about what you're not great at unless, and this is the key phrase, Unless it is a career killer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and the implication most of the time is that most people don't really have that sort of weakness. So don't worry about it. Right? Yep. What I found, though, was, for example, 20 years ago, if you had put a financial statement in front of me, even a, even a kind of a pretty simple one, I, I, it would have meant no, nothing to me <laughs> at all. Right? Yeah. And so if the language of business is numbers... Uh, is finance, I needed to at least have some capability in that, right? It wasn't that I needed to become a CFO or something, but I needed to be able to read that financial statement and understand what it was saying. And so I did something that, that particularly at that time, so this is like 15 years ago, uh, that not many marketers were doing because it sort of isn't all that much fun. And, and I took a, a bunch of finance courses. I also went through sales training multiple times, right? And as I, as I started amassing greater and greater, you know, larger and larger organizations, I started rotating everybody through finance for non-financial managers courses, wherever they happen to be living and working, and sales training courses. And particularly at BMC Software and at Honeywell, where they had really, really organized sales training, you know, the kind of boot camp thing where you're in the hotel for a whole week and it's, you know, it can be kind of brutal. <laughs> we, uh, we all went through that. And, and so those were some commitments that we made that were strange for marketing people. Yep. But I, I think that, uh, sorry, go ahead. You were going to ask me. No, I, was, I think this is where, I mean, I love the fact that you actually did so many different things. Most are, most people are trying to be just better at whatever there is. And, and there is a definite reason why we should double, triple down on strength. Like I'm a big believer of that. At the yep. same time, it's really, really important to just be aware of all the other things, not to necessarily be an expert in it, as you said, but to know. And I, I feel like it's a really big advice for a lot of people who might be listening to this podcast right now 
who are saying that, all right, man, I'm, I'm a marketer, I'm a sales, I'm an engineer, or whatever it might be. I'm good at it. I need to go to the next conference that teaches me more about my own craft. But maybe they need to go to a conference that has nothing to do with their craft, but kind of surrounds them with like completely different points of view that will actually make them better at whatever their job is. So I think that is that, a- that, is, that is so true, Sanger. So true. You know, I mean, where you sit really does determine where you stand on a particular subject. As somebody who uh, who who achieved a lot of success and a great deal of seniority as a marketer in large companies, you know, I I I got to the point where the learning that I did in marketing was, let's call it incremental. Yeah. Right. When I shifted and, you know, and I was spending 90% of my day as a marketing leader focused on things that I really understood. When I moved to being a CEO, even though I had acquired a lot of those skills along the way and stuff like that, my day is 95% spent on things in, in which I am not the expert. <laughs> yeah. And actually, it's not my job to be the expert. Yeah. And it's I'd- my job to know how to answer or excuse me, how to ask the right questions. Love that. Right. And so it's all of the cross pollination. For example, when I started trying to figure out how to solve the, the marketing attribution and value equation, where I went, and actually quite by accident initially, I mean, I stumbled into it, so I can't take any credit for it. But I went, uh, I was sitting in the executive briefing center at HP, listening to CIOs talk with different presenters about their problems. You know, this is in the 03, 04, 05 timeframe. Yeah. Um, And as I listened to them, I said to myself, wow, if I do a search and replace and I and I put marketing and communications in place of IT, it's exactly the same set of problems. (laughs) Just change the the environment, but the problems are the same. That's right. And it was so fascinating to see kind of in the early stages. Right. And this is also immediately post Y2K, how they were starting to grapple with the people process technology equation on the, you know, those issues. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's, that's a fascinating thought, right? As you move into a different role, like, I think this is the part that I had to learn the hard way, uh, quite honestly, as a, as a co-founder of a startup company. And then because prior to that, I was with Pardot and, and Salesforce and I saw a whole bunch of bigger company how it all plays out. But when we look at trying to look at a startup company, it's a completely different level field. You know, startup company operates in a way different way than a, a big iconic brand like Salesforce. What was more and more interesting for me was as we grew the startup, it was no longer important for me to have all the answers because in the early days, like, you know, I'm the idea guy. I'm the guy who's coming up with a lot of different things. And, and it was important because it was new and there were only three people. So everybody had a job to do. And as we grew, I started to recognize that, okay, I need to start, stop just giving ideas, which is still hard for me because I just have ideas of all kinds of stuff as an entrepreneur. But then 
really is to take a step back and ask. So even if I have an idea and I have an answer that I think might be the best, I'm always pleasantly surprised when I ask for like, well, how would you go about it? Or how would you do a certain thing? And nine out of 10 times, that person actually has a better idea and probably has more ownership because I did not tell what what to do. I asked them what they what they thought about or how would they go about it. I completely agree with that. I mean, one of the hardest things that I actually had to learn as a CMO, right, was that my role was to speak last, <laughs> right? My role was, with, with, with one notable exception, and that is my role was also to ask the right questions, Yep. but in a way that did not telegraph my own views. That is hard because then there's no bias. You're trying to be like so... You're keeping your biases aside and you really are trying to you know, share what the other person is saying or what the ideas can man, that's hard. It is. And I think, you know, one of the other things that I learned is kind of consonant with that is that so I am a very intuitive, reasonably intelligent person. And so what that means is that a lot of the time I actually assess it correctly and I and I get it right. Okay. The, the problem with is the times when I'm wrong, I'm really wrong. Okay? <laughs> yeah. And so one of the things I really learned as a, particularly a large company with a big team and a lot of money and all that kind of stuff is I can't afford to be catastrophically wrong. Yeah. It hurts too many people, right? It creates too much damage. And so I started... My, all of my directs were essentially handpicked for many reasons, but one of the big reasons, one of the big things we looked at was that they weren't like me. Yeah. Right? And it was a hedge of protection, so to speak, <laughs> against me getting it wrong. <laughs> wow. See, I've heard this before where you need to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you or that complete you or, you know, or have the strengths that you don't have. And I think what you've said is the same thing, but in a very different way, which is quite interesting is that, well, I want to essentially have people that almost think the opposite of me because I want that, you know, bet that I'm, that I'm not going to be catastrophically wrong. I want people who would really look at things from another angle than the way you look at it. That's correct. And the last thing I would add to this, and this is this is the importance of data and analytics in this equation, is that we were striving all through this period of time to create a system of an analytic system that would significantly diminish the role of opinion, mm-hmm. right? But also would would objectify performance to such an extent that everyone would know that their promotion, their bonus, their comp, whatever, had absolutely nothing to do with whether I liked them. Yeah. Right? So very so transparent kind of culture. Right. And so it freed people up to be honest. Mm. And so I think between the, the system that we had in place and the leadership, not just my leadership, but people in my organization leading consistently from a position of we really want to hear what you really think. And we really, if you challenge us, we are going to instantly freeze 
and rethink where we are because we assume that you have a damn good reason for doing this. All of that built a very healthy culture and, and, uh, and, so, and, and a very high performance culture. That's amazing, man. All right. So as we promised to our community, we always try to keep them short, like 10, 12, 10 to 15 minutes, and always do a recap as much as possible of the conversation so people can kind of try to absorb it because most people are driving or doing something else. So here's what I learned in our conversation, Mark. And I think this, this, is, this is phenomenal. Uh, the first of all, learn the language. And I think when you said that you are looking at a financial statement, being a marketer, I think that speaks volume because when you learn the language, you're able to talk. You don't need to be an expert, but learning the language of all the people around you is going to help you be one team, be together and actually appreciate. And if nothing else, empathize across the board. So I think that was a really big idea, big takeaway for me. The other part where you said that, hey, you have to learn how to speak last. And I think uh, I'm big, I'm guilty of this. I would a lot of times come in with my own opinions and thoughts and ideas, and I would just drop it on the table. And I, I struggle with it sometimes because you just, I've just got that. So to learn to speak last is a is courageous, and and for people to do that means a lot of a lot of a lot of good work. The other part is that it's not about just asking questions; it's about asking the right questions. And this is where leadership really takes on to the next level. All people can ask questions. Asking questions is the most important thing as opposed to just kind of saying, well, what do you think of this idea? Instead of that, just rephrasing the question of like, hey, what do you, well, how would you go about it? Might just change the conversation altogether. But more importantly, asking the right questions might be the reason you go from a position of a manager to an executive, because it's really all about asking the right questions. And, and finally, I think this was the biggest takeaway for me. You know, we all have heard about this, like surround yourself with the people that complete you or complement you and all those things. But I think in your way, you need to also think about which environment you're in. As a startup guy, maybe you need, you, you need to be explosive. You need to be like, you know, big on ideas and just go crazy. But as you go in a bigger organization or as the organization grows, maybe you need people that are going to really help you not be catastrophic in every way, shape or form. So I thought that was a really, really interesting takeaway, Mark. Yes, absolutely. I would only add one to that list, and that is that your value, the value that you create, that we all create, right, is the total measure of whether you should be somewhere or not, right? Mm -hmm. That's exactly how a business leader thinks about it. Yep. So if you think about it so, as a marketer solely in terms of, you know, all the tactical and operational things that you do and how well you orchestrate them and all that kind of stuff. That is all table stakes. Yeah. But that's not your value. Love that. This is awesome, Mark. So Mark, where can people find you? Well, they can find me on LinkedIn. I have a, I have a pretty active presence on LinkedIn, as, as I know you do. They can also certainly contact us through our, our website, which is www.proofanalytics.ai. I'm on Twitter and all that stuff too. So I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. And so I, you know, if anyone has any questions, I have a real open door policy digitally. They can call me, you know, just reach out to me and I'll, I'm happy to give you my cell number and we can talk. My email, if, if, that, if you want to do that, is mark.stuse, S T O U S E, at get, G E T hyphen proof, P R O O F dot com. 
Awesome, man. Well, dude, thank you so much. I'm so glad people connected us. And I, I think this journey, I think it's probably applicable for everybody, regardless of what stage they are in in their career or what field they are in marketing or sales or customer success. So thank you so much, Mark. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I'll see you soon. See you soon. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.